hello, and welcome back to the fastest growing podcast in three households in America. The podcast known to 10 total people as middle aged men on lions, Bengals, and Browns. Oh, oh my. my. Tonight, Gene, yes, me, I have the reins for the next 30 or so minutes, and I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming our very first guest to the show. He is not a middle-aged man yet. He is, however, a wonderful friend, a man we consider a brother, well, maybe a brother-in-law, a man, <laughs> a man who made Dave giggle all the way from Pittsburgh to Cleveland, and who is beloved by all. This is Matthew T-Bone Trevor. Thank you, guys. I'm, uh, I'm very proud to be part of this wonderful show, and I hope I can be the guest you all need me to be tonight. Looking forward to a lot of great stories, and let's, uh, let's get it going, Gene. I'm fired up. I've been studying. I'm really excited about this. Learned some things today about the Bengals and the Browns and the Lions on Wikipedia. So I'm That's always, it. yeah, I mean, that is always the where to go. Is, that makes, is that Wikipedia. makes one of us. That did you donate us. your 32 cents uh, to Wikipedia for the lookup that you did? No. Nope. Yeah, you're <laughs> along the ways of everybody else. So today we're going to talk about a little bit more about ourselves and let you get to know us and our fandom as I can paint this beautiful spectrum of picture here as in my upper left-hand quadrant of Zoom, I have the beloved David, and he is adorned in his Cleveland Browns get-up, the white Tim Couch jersey. I'm surprised he still has that. With the big, nice hat that, the, that says Cleveland Browns, the three of us have probably the three ugliest colors in uh, color schemes in the NFL. Uh, below him is James adorned in his lovely Bengals gear, the right, the white hat that says who day and the Jersey. Well, he possibly is a hall of famer. He says he has it in seven different colors today. It's the orange <laughs> number 18 who, uh, Oh my gosh. I blanked on his name. AJ Green. AJ. I was going to say Julio Jones. I was like, no, that's not an AJ green. He's uh, hopefully going to get his green elsewhere next year. I am wearing the lovely colors of the Detroit Lions, the Honolulu blue and silver. Um, I have a Charlie Batch jersey from way back. I don't know where it is. So today I look like a coach. You Why look not? like you look like a quality control coach. I, <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, if I was get, quality he's control, a get back. He's a get back guy. <laughs> it would not he's be a, a quality coach. control for the Lions. Um, and then we have Matt Trevor, who is a fan of the New England Patriots. Uh, he has had the illustrious honor of rooting for multiple Super Bowls. Uh, but he's also a Chicago Cubs fan in the other world who has kind of known what pain is. We're going to talk about a little bit of pain here today uh, as we go through some of our fandom and get to know a little bit about ourselves. So I'm going to jump right in and I'm going to ask the questions this time as James did last Wait, time. Gene, Gene. Yeah. So, so welcome T-Bone. Good to see you. Are you just hanging out? Do you, do you serve? Are you do you serve a function tonight? What is what is the the plan? He was just wandering by. It's like my it's role. Like I was just he just popped in. Uh, we we had that earlier in the uh, off camera, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yes. Hey, well, what is always, your what is your role tonight, Matthew? So if I understand it properly, I'm going to absorb a lot of stories. I've got I've got a notepad here and a, a clipboard that my wife gave me to make sure I was official. I have a <laughs> pen. I don't have a sharpie though. I wish I had a sharpie. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear some different stories of positive and negative and just kind of decide who I think has the best, I don't know if sob story is the right way. We're kind of have to talk about that a little bit as we go, but we're just going to judge those things. And I, I appreciate you sharing uh, my back, my backstory. And to be honest, I was a Patriots fan before Tom Brady was there. Uh, I was telling Gene this, that I do, I did have a Drew Bledsoe jersey in uh, the nineties and I way was, back. And I was actually torn, very torn and upset when Desmond Howard went to the house in the, in the Super Bowl as a member of the Packers. Cause I love Desmond Howard, but he ruined that Super Bowl for the Patriots. Yeah. So did the minister of defense that day too. Anyways, proceed guys. I'm just a guest. Cool. So this is a competition then. Let's go. Game on. Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> so to start off the competition, we have James from mm. Cincinnati, though he's not there right now. No. James, you know, the Bengals aren't the easiest team to be a fan of. I, I think maybe uh, in the last 40 so years, they may have been easier on the eyes than the Browns and the, and the Lions. But <clears throat> why, why Cincy? What, what, where did that fandom come from because we know that you were born on the north side of Toledo. <laughs> uh, great observation there, Gene. Um, I, uh, I'll be honest, you know, for me, my fandom started where I grew up. Yes, I was born uh, the very north wall of Toledo Hospital, almost in the state of Michigan. Um, but um, I grew up in the, the Cincinnati area, what they call the tri-state area. And so Grew up Bengals fan, Reds fan, um, you know, basketball was big down there. You had Cincinnati and Xavier and and all those sort of teams. So you sort of, for me, it was, it was you're sort of indoctrinated into the the halls of, of Cincinnati sports, right? And then it was really easy to do growing up in the 70s because you had the big red machine, right? You had the Cincinnati Reds, uh, two World Series, three different years in the first half of the 70s, three Cincinnati Reds players won MV, National League MVPs, three different players won. And I think Bench ended up winning twice and made it like four and five years or something insane like that. Um, and and those, those, back to, those back-to-back Reds teams are considered some of the greatest in um, baseball history. I mean, they're just, they're stunning. Um, so, you, you know, you get sucked into the Cincinnati uh, fan scene growing up with the Reds as your team, right? And the oldest team in Major League Baseball and all that. And then you've got um, a young franchise in the Bengals, right? Uh, Bengals didn't start to the late 60s, and that was when um, Paul Brown left the Browns in Cleveland. The team that is named after, he actually started that franchise. Uh, that's why they're the Cleveland Browns. And he left, uh, and he and – he, you know, I'm not sure the circumstances behind it. Dave may know a little bit more, but I know that, you know, Paul Brown, who founded the Browns, who the club is named after him, left the club, came down to Cincinnati. James, and, James it was a yeah. power struggle with the great Art Modell, of course. Art uh, Modell um, k- kicked him out. Go well, ahead. That's the gift that keeps on giving you around, Clark. Um, so then you've got Paul Brown, you know, exiting down to Cincinnati, Ohio, with a, a pretty big chip on his shoulder and uh, you know, is given approval to start this new, new football club in Cincinnati and call them the Cincinnati Bengals. And so, you know, that's, I, gosh, I want to say 67, 68, something around in there, sixties, mid to late sixties. <clears throat> and so within um, we'll say 15 years, give or take two or three years, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, right? This brand new club, not even 20 years old, is now in the Super Bowl in, in 19, 
would have been winter of 82 um, because 81 was the ice bowl, which is probably um, part of what sucked me in on the Bengals. So I grew up, you know, you would have been like 15 at that point, right? Yeah. in 81. Yeah. uh, That was my 45th birthday actually. Um, So I, um, I, like everybody does in, in tri-state area, football's big and high school football runs Cincinnati, frankly. And so um, growing up, you, you played peewee football and I did growing up. And so I, you know, I idolized guys like Pete Johnson, who's the big fullback for, for the Bengals. Right. And, and um, uh, Isaac Curtis and, and, you know, Kenny Anderson, who I got to meet uh, in Dayton once upon a time, there was a, a, a thing called the bogey busters. And um, it was a celebrity golf tournament that took place in Dayton, Ohio. And so my grandmother would take me and I have pictures of myself with Johnny Bench and myself with Kenny Anderson, Dinah Shore. I don't even know if you guys know who Dinah Shore is, but Dinah Shore, Charlie Pride, who just passed away. So really cool stuff. And so these big celebrities would come to this tournament. And so, you know, you're growing up, you're playing peewee football, you're looking who you're going to idolize. You know, I, I liked guys like um, um, uh, Tony Dorsett. Uh, John Riggins in the 80s. So those are the kind of guys that I played fullback a little bit growing up. And so, um, you know, that kind of sucked me in. So you had the ice bowl, the Bengals all show up. It's negative 148 degrees outside on the turf, which is like green concrete. And um, all the ice bowl guys for the Bengals show up, line, all the linemen, nothing under their shoulder pads, right? Um, risking frostbite and everything. And they're playing the San Diego Chargers led by um, – um, uh, can't think of the quarterback's name. Dan Fouts. Thank you. Um, and Don Coriel's air attack, right? I mean, that was that was yeah. a big deal. So uh, I think T-Bone liked that that minute reference he, name. Yeah. That I just threw on the table, right? Don Coriel. That's a that's a quality move. So um, I think and, T-Bone and, wanted to, to to chime in on the Dan Fouts and say, "Last game of the year, can't hold anything back." <laughs> um. So, remember he so, showed up at the halftime of the Burger Bowl. Go ahead, James. Thank you. Um, so you have all these Southern California boys come rolling into Cincinnati, Ohio, where it's negative twenty outside, and, and all these dudes. A couple of them are NFL Hall of Famers now. Roll out on the line, and and they had no chance. Right? Bengals destroyed them. Showed up against Montana and the Forty ers in the Super Bowl, and. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was a shellacking. It wasn't. It was close, but it wasn't great, right? Montana does it to the Bengals twice in the '80s, actually. Yeah. Um, both times on the last drive of the game. Um, both times, you know, first time through was that new West Coast offense from um, uh, uh, what's his face, who actually had had been an assistant coach at the Bengals, Bill Walsh. Talk about Bill Walsh. Walsh. Yeah. Bill Walsh, who had been an assistant coach under Paul Brown game. at the Bengals, and have, that's where he had developed parts of the West Coast offense. And he couldn't get, for whatever reason, they couldn't put it into play in Cincinnati. And he went out and got the gig at San Francisco and, and, and instituted the West Coast. And the was rest that on, history, Did he start the West Coast offense on the west banks of, what would that be, the Cincinnati River? The Ohio River there. The Ohio the west River, right. Yeah. West, western banks. Uh, yes. Um, pro- probably not, no. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got, uh, you know, getting sucked in. And then when I was – Fourth grade, third grade, uh, in the peewee division of football I played in, if you, uh, we had a Super Bowl every year. So if you won the Super Bowl, then you got to go play at the time, which was uh, in Riverfront Stadium, which oh, wow. was 
home of the Bengals and home of the Reds. And it was, you know, the heartbeat, the, the, the heart of Cincinnati, because that's where all the sports took place. And so that was the first time I ever played on AstroTurf. And, and I realized, well, I, I really hate this. And so, um, but you got to, you, you got to get in the locker room, you get to dress in the same stalls as, as, you know, the guys you watch on TV every week. And you're so did both teams play. get in the Bengals locker room then? Uh, one got in visitor and one got. Oh, in okay. okay. So which one did you have? Uh, I think we had visitor actually, yeah. uh, because the other team was from Ohio. So it was like their champ and our champ and gotcha. that kind of a thing. And so, you know, Riverfront's empty. It's just the families of the, of the kids that are playing ball. And, um, but that, that's like, that's the most amazing thing. You're, you're playing ball in like the hall of your heroes, right? I mean, you're, you're in the spot and how many people actually get to do this. That's, that's one of the coolest things ever. And in that, you know, if that doesn't cement you in that sport and especially for that, your the team that you've grown up rooting for then, and now you're playing on the same field that you see them playing on Sundays and they went to, it is the coolest thing. Yeah, in the world, no doubt. Man. I mean, it is, it is the moment. And so, you know, you kind of grow through that. And, and so the eighties are great. And then the nineties were not, um, right. you know, that was rough. And that began a whole downslide until Marvin Lewis came in. And, and I will say this, um, Paul Brown passed away. His son, Mike Brown took over the team as the owner. Mike Brown's philosophy was that the Bengals are more of a business interest than they were an athletic team. And he wanted to make money off of them. And so before, when Marvin Lewis showed up, the guys were reusing girls from year to year. They had to bring their own Gatorade or sport drinks in. Um, you know, it was, they were just recycling equipment like it was 1955. And Marvin Lewis dragged the Bengals kicking and screaming into the, at that time, the 20th century, 21st century, right? So um, Bengals didn't even have a GM, right? They, they had, their wow. scouting department was a couple of ex-coaches. Uh, their GM was really their president whose only job before he started working for the Bengals was head football coach at uh, Moeller High School in Cincinnati. So <laughs> the Bengals are, are their own worst enemy in some ways, and they're getting better because um, Mike Brown's daughter, Krista Blackburn, um, and her husband are gradually easing him to the left and bringing even more of the team in. Tell me on why, why stick with being a Bengals fan, why go through it, why did I go through some of the crap I went through for some right. of my favorite teams? Tell us why you've stuck I, I through it and where you feel now, how you feel now. It's, it's part of my identity. It's, I've been, I've been a fan for so long. It's, it's part of how I identify myself, I identify myself partially as a Bengals fan. Um, you know, hope springs eternal, right? As, as we all know every year. Uh, and you always hope, you know, things are going to go well. I had great hope for Joe Burrow coming into this year. So excited. I had great fear because they had no offensive line. And unfortunately, those fears were realized. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to think that you can't get Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks in Cincinnati and let their left knee last for an X amount of time, right? I mean, that's just how that works, right? So a little curse. But, you know, I, I just am. That's who I am. Reds fans, Bengals fan. Um, and I'm proud to be the fan. I, I know they're terrible, but they're my team, right? And so when they will be good and they will be good, then I get to stand loud and proud and, um, you know, cheer my, my folks on. So, so James, what you did say <laughs> kind of resonates with all of us a, a couple of minutes ago, 75 minutes ago when you started this. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, had, you mean last Tuesday? <laughs> you had mentioned that they're, you know, though your team may struggle now, yeah. Or, or in the past, they've been your team. And I right. think, David, this is, a, this is a good transition to you. 
you know, all three of us have had struggles take T-bone and kick him out of here. All three of us have had struggles with our NFL teams and, and you maybe more than any of us, even though I, you know, one win in 77 years for us, but here in Detroit, you had a team disappear, right? Yeah. But you well, know, yeah. growing up in Cleveland, you, I don't think you had to choose, but it was there's Ohio State football, and you ventured this way to Michigan. But Smart. then there's the Cleveland Browns, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's evident that that is your team in Cleveland. Am I wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and the Browns founded the Bengals. You know, the Browns were a charter uh, perennial winner when, when they were founded and came into the league. Paul Brown started the Browns, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's more than that, Gene. I think it's, yeah, uh, the Lions have lost, the Bengals have lost, the Browns have lost, but they've lost in the most heartbreaking ways. Uh, so much so that they, they, there's names for their losses. They've right? lost in heartbreaking ways on the biggest stage. In many cases, yeah. yeah. So either they've been, uh, you know, the, the, the bottom, the pits of the league bad or good but not good enough and and your heart's been ripped out so so i i would say you know just the whole the whole point of this episode is is when did you fall in love with your team you know what was the origins of your fandom right and i think any hardcore fan it's either inherited you're born into it right or you uh or it's geography um it's where you grew up um anything anything else is is kind of bandwagon to me Mm. so uh, and that's fine. You can have different that. reasons, but but if you're born into it, uh, or it's your hometown, it's a little bit deeper, and that's what it means to me. And and guys, um, you know, I first became a Browns fan because of my my dad. I had two older brothers as well, and it just that's who we we were born in Akron, raised in Akron, just south of Cleveland. That's that's our team. That's your team, and uh, accept it. And we did. We embraced it. And. My dad likes, I'll share a quick story, then I'll give you kind of my, my, my main memories. But um, my dad shares the story <clears throat> that he was at the famous Red Right 88 game. And I'm not sure if that means anything to you guys, but hardcore NFL fans, certainly those in Cleveland, know what Red Right 88 was. So Red Right 88 happened. It was a play. It happened in the... Was there a hot route? <laughs> it happened in the 1980 season. Okay. The, the Browns had the NFL MVP at quarterback, Brian Seip. They were a dark horse to win it all. Uh, so the young upstart cardiac kids, right? Uh, the divisional round of the playoffs. Now, James is talking Ice Bowl. The original Ice Bowl was in 1967, which is, I believe, the coldest game on, recorded, on record. Yeah. Packers? This game, Packers Colts, I think, yeah. yeah. This yeah. game was Browns hosting the, the Oakland Raiders in 1980, divisional round four degrees Mm. and i don't know if if there's been a colder game since but at least you know you can appreciate how cold that day was at four degrees on the shores of lake erie my dad was at the game and again the browns were a dark horse to win the super bowl um they were driving with seconds left in the game down 14 to 12. they moved the ball into the red zone and they were in chip shot field goal range. Um, by no means was it a gimme on this frozen day. The turf was frozen salad. But they were certainly in range to likely win the game with a, with a field goal. So third down, you know, I don't know, 10-yard line or so. They send in the play, and it's a red right 88. 
and it's designed to either basically throw a fade pass to a receiver if he's open, and if not, the famous quote from the coach was, if it ain't open, chuck it into Lake Erie. <laughs> well, Brian Seip didn't either. Uh, he tried to squeeze a, a pass in. Raiders defender stepped in front, picked him off, sealed mm-hmm. the game, and the Raiders go on to win the Super Bowl in 1980. So that's what everybody remembers in Cleveland, a horrible, horrible play. It has a name, right, like many things in Cleveland sports lore. But real quick, what my dad remembers is midway through the second quarter, he really had to pee. (laughs) And as he tells it, he was bundled up with three layers of long john underwear and several sweaters and coats and pants. How large and, was the social security? How large was his uh, social security? <laughs> the secret service yes. detail. Yes, my father social looks like detail? former vice president Dick Cheney, yeah. but uh, yes. that's a, that's he besides the point. Um, really had to pee, made his way to the bathroom, and old Cleveland Municipal Stadium had basically a cement block room with cinder block walls, no urinals. It was the troughs that you pee. Yes, <laughs> yes. So when my dad stepped foot in the bathroom with all the body heat hitting him at once, coming out from four degree temperatures his glasses fogged up immediately and without his glasses my dad is oh boy. So he somehow oh, made his oh way to Mr. the Magoo. and as he tells it he started unbuttoning and unzipping oh, oh, no. and at this point he didn't know if he was in or out <laughs> and he couldn't hold it anymore so he just went and he suddenly felt a warm stream just oh, running go, down man. his long johns and clearly he realized he was not out. <laughs> but, um, but what's done is done. So he zipped back up. I, I, had to wipe the fog, I had to wipe the fog from his glasses, made his way back to his seat, and watched the rest of the Red Right oh 88 God. game oh in four-degree temperatures with soaking wet pants. <laughs> so, um, that's, that's a wizard. So our, so I was three years old at that time. Um, oh my God. So that's the story. All right. So, so listen, I'll, I'll bring it around to now me. <clears throat> so I, I want game. you to indulge me a little bit. So our good friends, actually our pediatrician growing up, he had season tickets and they were kind enough to hmm. devote one game a, a year to bring us along. And my brothers got to go. And soon enough, I was old enough um, to, to go. So I went to probably three games in the eighties the old stadium with, with our friends. And um, if you could indulge me and just let me, I, I prepared a little, a little something. Okay. Is there any music for this or you can sing? go. So I still remember the sights, the sounds, the smells, the cold. I associate Cleveland municipal stadium with cold. Even the one Indians game I remember attending as a kid was opening day, and it was cold. But that's football in Ohio, right? But there's two distinct memories I reflect back on, gentlemen. Still, etched in my brain, I remember the starting lineups. The Olympic fanfare. This song you hear right now would blare (laughs) through the stadium sound system as the public address announcer would announce the names of either the starting offense or defense. At quarterback, number 19, Bernie Kozar. The fans would go wild. And guys, we were loaded in those days. James knows. Minifield and Dixon, Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. Mack and Viner, yeah. Webster Slaughter, and Ozzie Newsom. Which brings me to my second and final memory. 
The game I vividly remember was October 29th, 1989. I was 12. In that game, Hall of Fame tight end Ozzie Newsom's streak was broken for catches in a game. In other words, he had caught at least one pass in every game dating back to October of the 1979 season and was right there with Steve Largent for that record. He rolled his ankle in the first half and did not return in the second. And I just remember the fans chanting, Ozzy, 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 for him to return, just to catch a five-yard out to keep that streak going. I was one of those fans. By the way, guys, we were playing the Houston Oilers, coached by Jerry Glanville that day. The Browns went on to win that game thanks to an 80-yard flea flicker bomb from Kozar to Slaughter, another 77-yard bomb from Kozar to Slaughter, and a halfback pass from Eric Metcalf to Reggie Langhorn to seal it. With the win, the Browns pulled into a tie for first place in the AFC Central with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. So listen, the drive, the fumble, and Red Right 88 aside, I went on to live through my team being taken away mm-hmm. and moved to Balt- Baltimore, mm-hmm. only to return as an expansion team. <clears throat> Two decades of losing at a level of historic ineptitude. You've seen the list of starting quarterbacks since 99. The truth is there's been almost as many general managers and coaches, not including the fictitious ones in the box office bust draft day with Kevin Costner. And my fandom was never more tested than the Johnny Manziel debacle. Then going 1-31, including an 0-16 season. I hit rock bottom, but I stayed. And I am now witnessing my Browns win a playoff game on the road in Pittsburgh just days ago. And getting to watch it with my son. Hugging him and dancing as the clock hit double zero. I have a photo here, gentlemen, a photo, T-Bone. My son at his first Browns game. The ticket on the back. I'll close with this. The great Jim Nance was interviewed on ESPN Cleveland Radio just the other day, and I made sure I wrote down his quote. Said Nance, there's nobody. And yeah, I know all about the Bills Mafia but there's nobody who loves their team more than Cleveland fans. Gentlemen, I am one of those fans, and I'm damn proud of it. Thank you. Well, I think the gentleman from Cleveland uh, is going to yield his time back to the, uh, to the rest inspiring. of us. I am good. inspired. Really good. I do have to ask, though, <laughs> as if it would be remiss if I did not, when your team left, how did you like? How do you feel when it's gone? And then how is it when it returns? Like did, when it was gone, did your fandom disappear? Did your fandom for the NFL disappear? Did your fandom for the sport else. disappear? Sorry, I'm, I'm collecting did my it, emotions right now. Are your it, are your goose pimples gone after that? I, you know, I was okay. really wondering. Full attention, full if, attention. Okay. Right, and six to midnight, and I was yeah. thinking, you know, I, I was thinking <laughs> speed skating. Um, but for the moment, like, honestly, when they disappeared, did your fandom for the – you were you were playing. Were you – You know, that it, 95, Gene, were you playing – were you in high school? Were you a high school senior? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically, like, fall of 
95 was my senior football season. Then I graduated in 96. Yeah. So okay. they basically so left going, right around that time. Yep. And you're going to, you're going to Toledo at that point to play the game. Did yours, did your, like, did you ever have a moment of the hell's wrong with my sport? You know, we might get to this in a later episode, but what's so weird about when I went to college and then, yeah, you play college football. You're so consumed by that. I don't really remember watching many sports. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair so enough. If there ever was a perfect time for my team to go away, if they weren't going to be good, I don't know. Of course, Bill Belichick was the coach, and they sure. made the playoffs right before they were That's taken from Right. Him. Yeah. That's a whole yeah, other story. Um, but, yeah, that was the time where I guess I was distracted enough not to be so heartbroken. Um, but it's, it sucked. It hurt. And, but the excitement of them coming back in 99, I have my Tim Couch jersey on right now. I had such high hopes. Um, so, yeah, that, I guess that's how I would encapsulate that moment. James, what do you got? Well, so my question is, and I, I can't remember the order, do the Ravens win a Super Bowl, then the Browns come back? Is that how that works? And, and if so, you know, it's almost a follow-up or addendum to Gene's question of how does that impact you then, right? Uh, okay, I, I think I'm going to drop the mic at this point, James, but <laughs> the, the year the Browns left, yeah, that draft, uh-huh. Jonathan Ogden, Ray Lewis. Same uh, first round. Uh, same oh, same round. That, those that, two. that was the Cleveland Browns. That's just brutal. Uh, picks. I think the, the Ravens. Baltimore Ravens picked those two guys, and of course went on as building yeah. blocks to win at least their first yeah. Super Bowl. Foundation. Yeah. Lewis was there from the second. <laughs> yep. So yeah. um, pretty tough. They won in 2000, 2001, If I'm if I remember that right, the Ravens. Yeah. That yeah. is. I've told yeah. you. That. With the defense that was. All history, all and NFL. yeah, with yeah, with, yeah, with the so with the bad. team that basically yeah. break, yeah, they break the mold with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback, right? <laughs> well, not only that, but they're they're uh, the GM player personnel guys is Ozzy Newsom. Ozzy's building this. When did he take that role? When did he have that? Uh, pretty job? early on, he, he came over right away as in the front office and was elevated a couple years later. So, as a Raven, yeah. never as a, as a Brown. Raven, never as a Brown. Yeah, that, okay. and that, okay. that breaks our heart too. Yeah. We don't we don't hate Ozzy, but that's, that's heartbreaking. And then of course Modell was there, and he hoisted that trophy. That was killer to us. But uh, yeah, James brings up a good point too. There's so many connections between the franchises in the AFC now North. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my know, case, though. Go ahead, Dave. Guys. You said something yeah. interesting about how you grow up to be a fan, right, or how you become a fan growing yeah. up. One of the thoughts I had was, you know, I think for for all of our teams. I would, I would argue more so Cleveland, Cincinnati over Detroit, maybe, um, that those teams are woven into the fabric of the city, right? I mean, it's, it, is, it is essential to that city's identity and the people who live there and their identity as it is to anything else, right? I think of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is absolutely That's what I mean, that way about yeah. the Steelers, right? I mean, they, are, they worship at the, at the foot of the Steelers there. And so, yeah, I, you know, that I was agree. another thought I had about how, that, how you sort of come into that. Yeah, it, it's it's a little different uh, yeah. in our in our division with our cities, um, and I, that's why I'm lo- looking to learn from from Gene a little bit because you know the Thanksgiving tradition is yeah. is a bit you know we don't have that. That's a big, <laughs> that's NFL going way back, and Detroit is home to that. So that's interesting. But yeah. I would agree, James. It's it is a civic pride mm-hmm. numero uno for our our cities. Yes. See, here in Detroit, we're we're lucky, right? We're lucky enough that we have. I think it's us. What is it? Us, Cleveland, LA, and New York. Uh, maybe Dallas. I think it's Dallas too, right? That have the four major sports. There's not many 
there's not many areas in the nation that have the four major sports. We get the Lions, the Tigers, the Red Wings, and the Pistons, and now they're all collectively in the city um, for the first time in years, right? The Pistons were up in Auburn Hills, but now they're back, and everyone's playing in the same virtual you know, net within the city of Detroit. And to your point, James, I, yeah, the Bengals are woven within Cincinnati. The Browns are woven within Cleveland. But the Lions are owned by the Ford family, right, which is Motor City. Um, and if you're a blue collar, I mean, you are, there is the blue collar, there's the white collar, there's the no collar that mm-hmm. attends Lions games. And we, we as Lions fans, I grew up – I mean, you know, David, like you said, your dad was a lot, was a Browns fan. My dad was a Lions fan. My dad was a high school football coach. So we didn't go to many games on Sunday because that's typically when they had meetings, but I was always watching the games. Um, you know, I, I was a fan from young. I don't remember much quite honestly. I don't remember much of the Lions before Chris Spielman, before Barry Sanders um, and and on, but that's maybe just because I'm blocked it all out. Who knows? Um, you know, but we, we were the first team to go. Owen 16, David, I know you followed us, but we set the mold there. Um, you talk about heartbreaking losses. Um, again, there's have, only been two in NFL there's history. O- there's only been two and, and we're represented. And two of them are in this. <laughs> podcast. We're go in ahead. this conversation. Yeah. There's no doubt. It's um, good. It's good. It's good. Right. You talk about heartbreaking losses. We do that almost weekly with new forms of losses. Uh, we, we lost to Brett Favre on a, I don't know how the hell you lose Sterling Sharp uh, back when that was a team. We lost on a Hail Mary to Aaron Rodgers after supposedly we hit him in the head for a roughing the passer. Then he throws another one and completes it just a couple of years ago. Uh, we do have the Thanksgiving game. We randomly lose that one, funnily enough, to Mitch Trubisky, who throws for like 9,000 yards and 64 touchdowns in a game. We, we find new ways to win as Lions – or new ways to lose as Lions fans. We had a playoff game in Seattle. I think it was a playoff game in Seattle. And Kelvin Johnson fumbles the ball out of his own end zone. Uh, as he's going into score and potentially put us on, on to the next level. So we, we do things uniquely. That's a word that probably that should be for a me ding as a unique, um, but we, yeah, that, that's, I owe a dollar to the kitty now. Um, but we are, you know, this is a program, this is a, a team and a fan base that goes regardless if we're good or bad. Uh, and we, we had a full house, when we had our fans march against the GM uh, back when it was um, Matt Millen, we had a, like a Millen man March. We have people that, that sit in the stands in Kroger bags with their heads on uh, over their heads, like week two of the season were there, but this place is filled. Uh, the Silverdome was packed. The Silverdome, one of the largest venues in the, uh, in the United States and, just most recently had the attendance record broken for WrestleMania three. Um, that was, but like, this is a place, this is a town that is just dying for a team to go above the hump. And I think more than anything, our team is held back by its ownership and just, you know, James, I think you said when Mike Brown took over the Bengals, he wanted to make money. 
And this is a very, very, very profitable organization. Um, and I think they want to win. I just don't think they know how to win. So we've had two Hall of Famers that have quit in their prime. We've had an 0-16 season before anybody else. We have one playoff win in my lifetime. I'm 41, going to be 42 years old. We have one playoff win. There are many teams that have multiple Super Bowl championships. We have one playoff win. So, you know, Matthew, you asked James, which, you know, your favorite, the number one win and the number one loss. I can't pick a number one loss. There's been so, there's been <laughs> so win, many. Though. Start with a win. Give me a the win. win. The win would be in 1991. Uh, I was, I think that's when James graduated high school. Um, I would, <laughs> so it's before James was out of high school or just after James <laughs> was out of high school. <clears throat> I, I was a huge fan at that point and the lions beat the Dallas Cowboys, um, with Summerall and, and John Madden on the call mm. and Barry ran wild. And it was just, a who was the quarterback? Eric Kramer. Kramer. Okay. Eric Kramer was the quarterback. That's, I mean, you, you talk about a name in obscurity. Eric Kramer was the quarterback of the Detroit Lions when they won a super, when they won a playoff game. Not Rodney Peets. Not you talk about Heisman Trophy winners, James. Yeah. We had Andre Ware. Um, we've had same time, right? Uh, we had them on the same team. I think all yeah. three of them were on the same team. Uh, they might have all been on that same team in '91. But you know, with Barry Sanders and Herman Moore was back then. Like this team had. Chris Spielman on defense, Jerry Ball. Um, like we had a team and then we roll into Washington and I had a, a, you talk about gear that we're all wearing. I had a white sweatshirt. It said Detroit lions at Washington Redskins NFC championship game. I was so proud to wear it on a Friday. And then on Monday, I think I threw it away. <laughs> like it was just, they got run out of the building and that was the last real team that this, that this franchise has produced. So yeah, you talk about, you know, how do you, how do you stick with a fan base? I, Matthew Stafford is still my fantasy quarterback every single year. Like I still hope eternal that my team will come over the hump, but it's like, it, until it happens, I'm like, why am I doing this? All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this ask, up. We have a final question. I have an important I, question. Yeah, you have one question. I have one question. Go ahead. So I want your most ir- irrational story of fandom, whether it's, Spending money, spending time, avoiding something, lying about it to do, to be a fan, to watch a game, to go to a game. You can, whoever wants to go first, just go. Man. I, I, so I was telling David this earlier, and maybe this has come across as just, Gene, you're a giant douche. But, right. But the one irrational thing, and I said this before, this is what I do on Sundays. I find a way to do the laundry, and I might fold one basket of laundry over the four hours that goes over the, the that, that is during the game. But that is all that I do. And, and like I'm like, honey, I achieved greatness. The whites are folded, and that's all I do. And it takes me an entire hour, and I've done it since. My kids were born. I find a way for four hours to either drive just around for a nap or fold laundry uh, for four hours on a Sunday. Okay. Hmm. Who wants to go next? 
Go ahead, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what I have. I mean, if you were to watch me watch games for the past 30 years, every Sunday I act irrational. Uh, just ask my wife. But um, yeah. Like what? I, I, Give me an example. Paint a picture. Well, no, God, I'm ridiculous. <laughs> that's I mean, the I, point of this. The, 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 is this why you have a podcast? The profanity oh, is okay, out of good. control. I don't know how my kids are not absorbing this profanity, but um, I would say, I would say I, I, uh, I'm hesitate to, hesitant to say this, but um, uh, I pretended to be into a girl who had tickets to the <laughs> to the. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm looking for. Jeez, wait, hang on, hang on. We're, hang coming, on. we're gonna no, come back. No, 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 no. I'm gonna ask. Where were the seats? Uh club level. Yeah, well done. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. Did you pay for parking? James, your turn. <laughs> Next. Next song. Answer the question, Dave. Next song. Come on, Dave. Answer the question. This was before I met my wife, too. No, I just said, did you pay for parking is what I said. <laughs> I believe that's a strong no comment. All right. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that I've really done anything really strange or insane Um from a sport perspective, like to try to get to a game or anything like that. Um, the only crazy thing I ever did, and, but it's, it's a concert thing. It's not a, uh, it's not a sport thing. So um, I don't have a really, you know, we used to take TVs, multiple TVs, put them out on the front porch, stand in the front yard, drink beer in college and watch games all day long until, and, you know, bring the couches and stuff out. And the, and the cops would show up and yell at us for having all the stuff in the front yard. And then we'd bring it all inside and then they'd leave and we'd bring it all back out again. And then we'd do it again. But that, you know, that I didn't really do a lot of crazy stuff for, for the sport. All right. I know this has gone long, but T-Bone, if there was a Super Bowl to be doled out by T-Bone yeah. to, help a fr- to help a city come together, would it be the Lowly Lions, the – Based Wonderful. on our arguments tonight, <laughs> right? Yeah, the Based amazing, on these arguments. the amazing color of Browns, or <laughs> those fearless Tigers in Cincinnati, known as the Bengals, who should receive the T-bone trophy to raise high above their heads to say thank you? I mean, I'm going to rule out. I'm going to I'm going to rule out this season a little bit and pick the Browns and Dave. I, Based mm, on his lose again. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm factoring in, I'm going to tell you, I am factoring in personal presentations a little bit. I mean, if I was going to factor in, well, there's I no doubt. Want, and I don't even like Ohio at all, but I, and I, plays I feel, the damn I feel music again. horrible, <laughs> I feel horrible for the Browns fandom. <laughs> Not, you know, I'm, I'm even taking my, trying to take my Ohio bias out of this because I was going into this thinking lions, mm-hmm. just to be honest. But I, I do reading some more about the Browns and hearing about the Browns and some of these stories that Dave has told has helped solidify my decision. I think uh, it's not even close, is it, T Bone? I think I could find. I think if I could, if there could be some different people that made different stories. But I think Dave's presentation. He he he's, I can't he's even keep a straight face. There's, there's no doubt he's built into this. Like he was waiting for yeah, this, this episode. Was, I've been waiting for this my whole life. I, thought, I think all three. I think all three groups. I finally are just, won. Are just tortured. Are just tortured, and I and I feel. I think I feel. I forgot about the Ozzie Newsom stories and the fact that he became the Ravens general manager and that they won a couple just a couple years later. I forgot some of that stuff until you brought it up. So. I just sent you in the chat feature the YouTube link for Red Right 88. So watch and enjoy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, thank you, 
you, T-Bone. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, T-Bone. Uh, well, I think everybody I did a great this. job. I, yeah. I learned a lot about all the franchises. I knew kind of knew with the Lions story a little bit, but Gene reminded me of some stuff I forgot about, too, being in the market, but being in the, in the Metro Detroit market. Well, boys, I know this was uh, – David, you're going to have a, a little bit of effort to edit this down. Mm. Um, Sorry about that. <clears throat> no, but uh, – like, Let me know how again, the playoffs go this week, and I'll be editing this bullshit. Right. <laughs> but, it, 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 but it, again, goes to who we are, right? I mean, we're, we're three guys from three fan bases that are struggling and just want to win. And I cannot think of anything but speed skating right now. But you know what, gentlemen? Mm. Uh, I say a farewell adieu, a tip of the cap, uh, as we're all wearing our hats today. Um, go Lions. Who day? Who day. And uh, you Here know we what? go, on Brownies. S- on Sunday. Woof, woof. Let's get one in the dog pound. Gentlemen, Thanks, have guys. a good night. Good night, boys. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, gentlemen. Ba 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 